I heard, uh, you know, from uh, Rav Biderman Shichye, uh, one of the Gedolim uh, in this generation, uh, as far as the Kuei Rabim in the uh, uh, Hasidish world, who uh, said, who comes from a uh, very long lineage of Tzadikim. And Rav Biderman said that stories about Pesach, you have to say during Pesach, Stories about Shavuot, you have to say during Shavuot. Stories about Sukkot, you have to say about Sukkot. But stories about Parashat Korach, you could always say. Why? There's always something that's going on in the world. And sometimes Hashem Elohim, uh, even in our uh, own communities, that can be discussed. And you can learn from uh, Parashat Korach. All of the machloket, all of the debates out there, the, uh, the differences and so on and so forth. A lot going on. Now, the question is, this whole Parashat Korach, this whole Machloket, who is really behind all of it? Of course, we know that Satan is uh, always enticing people to, uh, to sin, enticing them to go against Hashem. But who did the Satan really fool uh, first to get everything going? And the answer is, the Satan fooled Korach's wife. On her it's written, Isha Oreset. There's Isha Buna, Isha Oreset. A woman builds, a woman destroys. A woman that builds is On Ben Pelet. In the beginning of the parasha, it says that part of the people that came with Korach was On the son of Pelet. And On the son of Pelet, later on he doesn't show up when there's the final showdown event between Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. On Ben Pelet is nowhere to be found because his wife got him to do tshuva, to leave Korach and she ended up saving his life, of course. Uh, not only his life in this world, but in life in the eternity, because Korach and those who followed him are in Gehenom until this day, 3,333 years. They're inside Gehenom so far, and many of the uh, Chachamim say they're never gonna get out. Some say that Korach may get out uh, at some point, but nonetheless, they're suffering dearly for what they did. But all this started with Korach's wife with uh, the Satan enticed her to say, listen, you are the richest family in the nation. Surely you should also have a position of power too. Why don't you tell your husband that he should uh, try to go and become the uh, prime minister? Try to become the Rabbeinu, Korach Rabbeinu, not uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. Or at least the Kohen Gadol, be something. So Korach's wife got on his case and destroyed his life. Now, later on, we see that Moshe Rabbeinu, right before the showdown, in chapter 16, uh, verse number uh, 26, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Am Yisrael, he says to the assembly, saying, turn away now from near the tents of these wicked men, and do not touch anything of theirs, lest you perish because of all of their sins. Meaning that the filth, the tum'ah, the, the, the garbage that was you know, infiltrating the uh, Korach and everyone that was next to him was so dangerous that not only you couldn't befriend them, not only you couldn't stand next to them, but you couldn't even touch any of their things because the ground, when it opened up, it swallowed all of them. Now, the reality is, Rabotai, that if Korach came back to life today with all of his money, practically the entire world would admire him. Look, he's rich. He's famous, he's in a book, he's this, he knew Moshe, he, yeah, but he was his enemy. Yeah, but he knew him, yeah, he's rich, but he lost all of his money. Yeah, but he had it, and you know, people are going to justify all of these things, and you see that people admire 
wealth and success to such an extent that they simply let it blur their vision of morality, blur their vision of rationality. And this is actually one of the major tools of the Satan in order to entice you and everybody else, myself included, to sin. To sin, not just small sins, but the worst possible sins. Now, on the other hand, we have a story, Chachamim say about Rabbi Akiva. There was a decree uh, out there and uh, they sent Rabbi Akiva to go speak to uh, the person in charge, which was a non-Jewish king. And this non-Jewish king heard that Rabbi Akiva is coming to visit him and uh, he knew that Rabbi Akiva is a very important person. So he wanted to honor him. So how do people that their entire life is simply following money, fame, power, all the physicalities of the world, it's no different than animals. What do they uh, honor you with? He figured, we'll put Rabbi Akiva in the best hotel in the world, right next to the palace. And if uh, to make sure that he's not bored, I'll send him four of the best prostitutes that we have to give him what you call a good time, Shemishmoviatzin. So he sends him these prostitutes and the prostitutes come back to the king saying to him, your highness, please don't ever do this again to us. We were willing to do anything you want, but don't ever send us to such a place. He said, well, what did he do to you? He said, nothing, he didn't do nothing to us. Well, what do you mean? He said, the second that we came in there, this Rabbi Akiva, this guest of yours, this Jew, went to the corner of the room and could not stop vomiting the whole night. He couldn't stop vomiting. He couldn't stop throwing up the whole night, throwing up his lungs out. We were scared to leave, we were scared to stay. We were disgusted the whole time. We've never seen anything like it. So the king is fascinated with what happened. So he invites Rabbi Akiva and he says to him, please tell, explain yourself. Were the harlots that I sent you ugly in your eyes? And Rabbi Akiva says, why would you send me such filth? The most vile thing in the world. Now, were the women ugly? According to anybody else that's in the world? Absolutely not. They were beautiful women as far as physicality. But Rabbi Akiva saw the spiritual, the spiritual ramifications that have to do with being with these women and what kind of horrible, horrible punishment a person would get by doing such a thing. Second of all, he saw the Tum'ah that surrounded these women. How much filth they had on them from all of the sins they've made non-stop. And how vile this is in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when a person connects themselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that uh, a person cleaves himself to Hashem, he starts feeling like Hashem, if you will, where he knows that Hashem is disgusted by immorality, by promiscuity, by uh, immodesty and things of that nature. And therefore, he is disgusted by it so much so that he says, I should not see any type of nakedness among you because I'll run away from you. I'll run away from nakedness. I'll run away from filth. All of these disgusting behaviors need to be disgusting to us. The question is how? How does one get themselves to be disgusted. Now, of course, we've discussed many times the different ramifications and the punishments that would happen to a person, whether male or female, 
that is promiscuous, whether Jew or non-Jew, that is promiscuous, that is wasting seed, that is doing things that are forbidden in the Torah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds disgusting. There's no question about it that we've gone into the details of all of it. But today we're going to try to do something else. We're going to try to understand how do you get to a point of being at least somewhat close to the feeling of Rabbi Akiva of being disgusted by the sin. Disgusted by this immorality that everyone spends. They're, they're literally their days and nights following it, worshipping it, chasing it, looking at it. How does one go from being like the rest of mankind that admires wealth, that admires fame and fortune, that is looking to, you know, to, to have physical pleasure at any opportunity that they have, you know, that's the vast majority of the world, to a point where you can be like Rabbi Akiva and the rest of the tzaddikim that not only are not looking for those things, but rather they run away from them and they feel disgusted by them. One of the greatest things that you would learn from Arav Nisim Yagin, Arav Shalom. Although he would tell you from time to time about the punishment, about Genom, about Kafakela, about all types of things. But one of the things that was most consistent in every one of his lectures is that he gave you the feeling of disgust from the sin. When he talked about immodesty, he would tell you, this woman walking out with no arms, no legs, ugh, disgusting. And he would make these expressions and, and, and this, this be, just the way about him, literally, even if you weren't disgusted, now you became disgusted. Now you became disgusted from this woman that's wearing a wig longer than the exile, or walking around with no sleeves, or walking around with all types of immodest clothes. You were disgusted by her at that moment, and in hopes that you're going to stay that way after that moment. But nonetheless, everyone in the room agreed that is disgusting. Just like Rabbi Akiva, how does one get themselves to, to, to a point where they're not only not going to the filthy websites and filthy movies and filthy TV channels and filthy news and filthy commercials. They're not, not only they're not going there, but when those things come to them, because the Satan doesn't take a break just because you want to be holy, the Satan brings those things to you on a billboard, on some uh, ad, or some other way that you're walking in the street and he brings you this filth, this gross, disgusting thing, and he brings it to you. Not only do you not want it, you find it disgusting. You find it disgusting that this woman is immodest. You don't find it attractive. You find it disgusting. How can one go from this point all the way to that? Now, of course, it all requires an extraordinary amount of Torah learning and Musar. There's no question about it. And there's a lot of teachings that we have over the years to, to, to teach a person or to soften their neshama and get themselves to that clarity. But there are also a few things that any person can do with a Jew or Gentile. They could if they really want to delve into the depths of everything, they'll arrive at this conclusion very quickly. And the key is to stay that way. Now, what does everybody admire? What is everybody looking up to? What does everybody want? As we said before, they want money, they want power, 
they want a uh, physical pleasure you know usually all of those things come together they come uh, as a package being on Wall Street for almost 20 years and, and being involved with many, many millionaires, a few billionaires, having quite a bit of money uh, myself, having the ability to do things that other people can't do because of the lack of resources. I saw a lot of things. Baruch Hashem, I never got myself into this filth of the world, but nonetheless, I saw it day and night. And the reality is, is that you see how people chase this stuff and they live for it and that's all they want and you see it everywhere you see it everywhere and the question is why would anybody want to be a celebrity why would anybody want to be the next billionaire why would anybody look up to all of those people well let's see they look up to all of those people they look up to the rapper the big hitter why do they look up because they see he's got a house there's a show on tv that shows how nice his house is and how big it is and how many rooms he has and the chandeliers and the many cars and and all the people that work for him and how many followers he has on the internet and they see her and the new clothing line that shouldn't even be considered clothes uh, needless to say uh, they call it the clothing line uh, how many people follow her and how popular she is and how she has all the newest clothes and how uh, the headlines say she makes all this money and they see another person and they see they got a job and they have a CEO and they founded a company and they build it to become a multi-billionaire and they're on a Forbes 500 and they so on and so forth so the Satan first and foremost uses one of Akadosh Baruch Hu's tools that works best. What does he do? He plants a seed. He plants a seed. Akadosh Baruch Hu plants the seed of the tzedakah. Why does he plant the seed of the tzedakah? This is in your tefillah and shachrit. Why does he plant the seed of the tzedakah? He doesn't pay you a reward for the tzedakah that you give right away, but rather he plants it. Why? He'll give you the reward when you need it rather than when you wanted, when you've messed up enough times, but now you finally did tshuva, but how do you get back on your feet after you've messed up so many times? Shem says, ah, remember that staka that you gave 20 years ago? I'm gonna use the merit of that staka to uplift you back to life. And so on and so forth. A person gets sick, a Kedosh who wants to give him a, a cure, he, and, uh, and now he deserves to get that cure, but still, he needs to have the resources, the spiritual resources to have uh, a cure. Shem says, oh, you remember that staka that you gave for a sefer Torah, or you gave it to a Talmud Chacham, this? I'm going to use a little bit, a little bit of the reward that you're supposed to get in Olam Abba. I'm going to use it in this world for you to get you back to health, to get you back to life. The Satan Rabotaya Kalim does the same exact thing. He plants a seed, just differently. He plants a seed. What does he do? He gives you the illusion that this person that you are now seeing on a screen or in front of you in any way or another is the definition of success. He or she is the definition of success, of happiness, of, of glory. They are it. Why? Because they're showing you this person at their prime. This person at a point where everyone around them wants to be them and you become one of those people. So he plants the seed. Number one, this is what success looks like. This is what you want to be like. She is immodest and that's why so many people love her. You should be immodest. Her hair is out like some lioness. Your hair should be out. 
she's not wearing any clothes you shouldn't wear any clothes she's talking like some truck driver you should talk like a truck driver she is promiscuous and has had five husbands inside five years you should have five husbands inside five years and you should do everything she does why it's cute it's cute it's popular look she's uh her and her sisters all have become billionaires the uh, the kardashian family and this uh britney spears family and uh the other one zonas family all of these zonot have had success you should want to be like her wear clothes like her you know wear makeup like her talk like her want to do what she does put your pictures on the internet like her especially the promiscuous pictures put uh, pucker your lips like her and act like her and walk like her and even say things like her and perhaps even buy her product so people think you are her and the reality is this happens to the kids the kids in your house that are surrounded by public school mentality secular mentality non-jewish mentality it's everywhere even inside the most religious communities in the non-jewish world you will see this as standard i saw one time a documentary about uh, perhaps the most so-called religious people in the christian world in america the evangelical christians about 60 million of them they're the most uh, aggressive missionaries out of all uh, christianity and you see in this uh, documentary you see everybody's talking about yoshke everybody's talking about oh how he's gonna save you and so on and so forth but yet not a single woman knows how to wear clothes they're all walking around in underwear and think it's normal the little girls walk around half naked and it's normal and no one thinks of any of it being such a big deal and no one is surprised that in reality all of those kids that walk around with the little bible all of those kids that are in a secluded community in order to not be tainted by the secular world all of them are making the very same exact sins of immorality as everybody else out there they're just doing it among each other all of the filth is within nothing has changed nothing has changed it's just you chose your audience and the reality is is that this seed of the satan comes to people of all ages of all genders it's everywhere and the the satan's job is to stupefy the generation to think that this is normal that it is normal to walk around with underwear because the celebrity does it it is normal to flaunt your money and be arrogant because the celebrity does it it's normal to be nasty to people because the celebrity does it it's normal to have all of your ambitions and energy and resources spent on acquiring a fortune a fortune of fame a fortune of money a fortune of of everything material including a fortune of wives and husbands that's also part of the fortune if you only married once they frown upon you sometimes oh you only watch oh you're like one of the old timers and the reality is in this generation the world is infested with tumah Tuma to the extent that they are now teaching in England already for some time little babies little babies kids four five years old three years old six years old that if the boy does not want to be a boy and he wants to be a girl he should be a girl then no one should call him a boy ever again 
They teach this in the schools in England. And now it's coming to the United States. There are different parts of the US that their teachers are teaching this to the kids in the public schools in the United States already. Telling them that they should, first and foremost, never allow anyone to decide what their gender is. If you are a boy, by you know, as far as your biology, but you decide that you're a girl, you can be a girl. Go to the girl's room and, 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 and uh, relieve yourself, just like one of the girls. Walk around with a, uh, with a uh, dress. Do all of the things that the girls do. Do all the things that don't let anyone decide what your gender is. And if that's not bad enough, if you want to really take it up a notch, one man should marry another man and have a child, but pretend that this is really your child, as if you're not traumatizing this poor kid. The girl can be a boy, the boy can be a girl, the boy can marry the boy, the girl can marry a girl, and that's what you do, just like what do we see? It's nothing new. Sodom and Gomorrah, the generation of Noah. We've seen this. Egypt. We've seen this many times. Nothing new under the sun. But now it's gone to the point where it's in the teachings of the school. And now it's coming also to places on not just under the ground type of teaching, but actually in schools, in New York, in California, in different parts of the United States, in all places around the world that literally has taken their morals that are connected to the Torah and thrown them in the garbage and replaced it with the morals of the Satan. This is what's happening right now, Rabutai. And now everyone thinks it's absolutely normal. Why would anyone think it's normal? Because the, the Satan has planted seeds where he's made some of these people that are crazy that say that they're a woman even if they're a man, say that they're a man even if they're a woman, made them popular, made them heads of office in the government, made them celebrities on TV, on the internet, gave them all types of fame and fortune. So now there's no more terms like they used to have when I was a kid that anyone that was like that, they would simply hide it. They would hide themselves, they would hide their desires. They called it being in the closet. No such thing as being in the closet. Now it's something you should be proud of to the point where you should flaunt your sexual desires that are filthy and against human nature. Now you should do it. Why? Because the celebrity did it. Because the government member did it. Because the teacher did it. All of these so-called leaders are doing it. You should too. Look, they are leaders and they succeeded to the highest level according to their definition of success. You should do the same. And this Satan's seed is everywhere. And unfortunately, Rabotai Karim, it is also in the Jewish world, no different than anywhere else. You will see this in the non-religious neighborhoods, and you will unfortunately see this in the religious neighborhoods sometimes, where you have young kids acting like absolutely animals from Sodom and Gomorrah and not thinking anything of it. How could it be? It all starts with that seed. Now, how do we get rid of the seed that has literally grown up to be the most rotten fruits in the history of man? How do we get rid of this gross, disgusting, vile fruits? How do we get rid of it? How do we go from a point of admiring celebrities and, and material success and promiscuity and immodesty and immorality and arrogance? How do we go from being what's called normal by admiring all those things 
to being like the holy people of the previous generation that were disgusted by it or at the very least the respectable human beings that may have not been the most holy but still respectable enough where they kept their filth hidden from society. How do we get to that point? Well, first off, we have to identify the problem, which we just did. Second, we have to start delving into the situation just like you would into a sugya in the Gemara. What are we getting our heads all wrapped up about? Who are these people that we are admiring? Let's see what really happens to these people. Who are these people that everyone admires? One of the most famous celebrities in the last 30 plus years is a cursed person by the name of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was from my generation and even before. And this is a person that made a fortune, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars singing and dancing and doing all types of things and everybody wanted to be like him everybody danced like him everybody wanted to sing like him everybody tried to be like this person now during his life he had all types of issues you saw he had all types of surgeries and all types of things but people didn't think much of it when did his whole character come to question after his end when he overdosed on drugs and his rabbi, his rabbi, Shmuli Boteach, who was one of the people that he built his own fame from his relationship from, with Michael Jackson, let people know that his, his buddy died, the doctor that killed him told everybody the guy died, and so on and so forth. But then after he died, people started looking at his so-called legacy, only to find out that the rumors are true only to find out that it's actually even worse than the rumors. That this disgusting human being that looked like the epitome of success of money and reputation and love by everyone and love by kids was a pedophile. Was a pedophile, a filthy, disgusting human being that took advantage of young boys, took advantage of little innocent children took advantage of them in a sexual way, to rape them in the most horrific way, did things that literally damaged these people for the rest of their lives. I was just kind of touching me, putting his hand on my leg and lots of hugs and kisses on the head. And, and he would reward me with jewelry for doing sexual acts for him. 100% graphic, disturbing, intense sexual abuse. I'm just saying, you know, for, for, for decades, Jackson put up this smokescreen, which was reinforced by, you know, his family and, and, and the media as well, that he had this innocent love for children. And I just needed to make it absolutely clear that what was happening in that bedroom behind closed doors between Michael and Wade and between Michael and James was sexual activity. It wasn't affectionate cuddling. Everyone was so scared to ever say a thing because the illusion was so strong. Who would want to be such a person? Who would want to be a Michael Jackson Who would want to be a person that looks like the pillar of success to society but yet is raping young children on a regular basis in order to relieve his animalistic behavior, even worse than animals because most animals are not homosexuals. 
Who would want to do that? And even yet, even the ones that are homosexuals, you're never going to see a lion rape a, 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 a cub. You're never going to see that. Even if you see a lion aggressive with a lioness, it's going to be someone his own size. But no, this reviled human being, who is an excuse of a human being that's admired and was paid hundreds of millions of dollars and got the admiration of tens of millions of people. That's what he did on a regular basis. That's the definition of success, Abutai. That person, that's success to people. That's the reality of those people. Let's see, let's go further. You have another childhood star by the name of Macaulay Culkin, was famous for a movie called Home Alone. Young, cute-looking kid, looked like he hit success, made several movies that made a lot of people laugh, entertained a lot of people, and looked like this one was going to be a big success. What happened with this person that made tens of millions of dollars and had worldwide fame? Drug overdose, drug addiction, all type of psychological problems, all types of sexual problems, addictions, filthy, disgusting life, an excuse for a human being. Everyone admired what he was on a screen, but no one in the world ever admired what he was in real life. He's one of the people that people like literally shiver when they hear what happened to him. Next you go to another celebrity named Tiger Woods. One of the people that had an athletic ability and a, uh, to, to hit a, a little ball into a hole, a sport named golf, and everyone admired him with all of the millions or billions of dollars that he made. He looked like he was put together, looked like a respectable person. Uh, even got new people to watch the sport because he was a person of color. And everyone said, oh, ooh, why, eh, even a cool name, Tiger, hey, what is he? Filthy, disgusting human being committed adultery on a wife that was loyal to him. Committed adultery on a wife that supported him. Committed adultery on a wife that was waiting for him and loved him. Cheated on her with countless different people. Not only that, became a complete addict to drugs and alcohol. Complete degenerate loser in society. Yelling at people, insulting people, and just being literally the best possible way to show the image that you admire is an illusion. That image that's in the picture on a lot of different sports gear of this person, it's an illusion. Why? It's not him. That's not him. That's just him when he's not him. The him that's really him is with the adultery and the filth and the immorality and the grossness and the drunk driving, putting people in danger, that's him. That's Tiger Woods. Furthermore, you go to a disgusting human being, a famous anti-Semite named Mel Gibson, made a fortune in the movie business, was an actor that everyone admired, only to be found one day saying anti-Semitic things that he wants to kill Jews, that he hates Jews, that he's a complete alcoholic arrested for drink driving and made various anti-semitic statements to the arresting officer including telling him that Jews were responsible for all the wars in the world degenerate for immorality a degenerate for anything that will get him to have some physical reaction a complete disgrace of a human being 
That's who Mel Gibson is. It's not the one that you see in the movie. The reason why he's an actor like all other actors before and after him is because the actor allows him to live in the illusion that everybody else is believing. Because the real version of him, the real version of him is a despicable human being that no one would ever want and no one would ever want their child to be. Then you go to a person like Mike Tyson. Although Mike Tyson has tried to change his life, let's see what his life was really like. You know, he was a powerful person, went into the vicious sport of boxing, was the best in what he does, punching people in the face, harming people as, 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 as fast as possible and as strong as possible, and eventually also harming other people that he wasn't in the ring with, like the woman that he raped and ended up landing in jail, like all of the drugs that he consumed and all of the people that would get in his way and completely amassed, took the fortune that he amassed of $400 million and lost every single penny of it, landing in jail with an extraordinary embarrassment where even after he came back from jail, he still had such animalistic behavior. I don't know anything about that. I don't know nothing about numbers. I just know what I can do. How about kill this mother? Such animalistic behavior where he was already used to whatever he wants he's gonna get. And as soon as he doesn't get it, the animalistic behavior gets even stronger to the point where when he was trying to return to the ring, trying to return to the vicious sport of boxing, what did he do? He bit the opponent's ear off. That's not part of the sport. Only an animal bites. But yes, Mike Tyson, admittedly, animal, animal. Now, all the drug addiction, all the sex addictions, all the filthy, who would wanna be such a person? So how come so many people pretend even till this day, they wanna box like Mike? They think they're like Mike? They're gonna be like him, why? Because they're attracted to an illusion. An illusion that you see in a ring for a few moments. Not the real Mike Tyson. Not the person that went home after he beat a person senseless. Uh, not, no, not that person. Not the person that raped a woman. Uh, or perhaps maybe even more. Not the person that lied. Not the person that was addicted to drugs and sex. Not a person that was a complete degenerate for the rest, you know, for all of his other life, all the other time outside of the ring. No, no one wants to be that person. Everyone wants that moment when he's on the screen and he has his hand as the winner. Everybody wants that moment. And that's the Satan's seed illusion. Illusion to try to fool you to thinking you can be like him, not realizing all of the baggage it comes with. You have a person like Bill Cosby, a person like Bill Cosby that built his net worth and his career and his name to the point where literally every person in modernized society knew who this person was. He was in a family show. He was a person that many of us grew up watching. He's a person that was literally on every TV screen. You would have it as like background, even if you weren't watching the show. He was on every screen as like the nice old man that's on TV, the funny guy that finds it sarcastic with everything, only to find out that he's a sex addict, he's a vicious person to other people, he's a disgrace of a human being. Bill Cosby, once a beloved TV dad and tonight a judge now determining that he is a sexually violent predator, ordering Cosby be cuffed and immediately sent to prison. 
disgrace of a human being that took advantage of people physically and otherwise and unfortunately damaged and traumatized them. But it took decades for all of this filth to come out. For all of those years, he was admired, he was hired, and he was given millions of dollars. But that's what the Satan does. He keeps putting the seed. Yeah, yeah, you want to be like Bill. You want to be funny like him. You want to be cute like him. You're going to be this like him. Why? He's on TV. And those few moments that you see where they take hours or days worth of footage and they cut it so much that you really only have a 20-minute show after weeks of actual footage because in reality, the rest of it is garbage. So what do they do? They give you the tamtsit of the illusion. Not just the illusion itself. No, the illusion would be the whole recording. What do they give you? They give you the, the potent, the serum of the illusion, meaning the best of the best, the most concentrated part of it. That's the illusion they put on TV, that he's always funny and he's always happy and he's always this. And that is literally the pillar opposite of who he was in real life. Next, Kevin Spacey, a person that anyone that watched some of his movies admired his acting. Movies like, uh, I think it's Usual Suspect, which I have been myself, have taken one of the quotes that he said as, as one of the things that I always had in my head, which is the best thing that the devil has ever done was convince the world that he doesn't exist. Now, this is a fantastic genius quote. And it's, it's true, it's in the Torah itself. But nonetheless, Rabotai Karim, this acting in that movie and countless other movies that earned this person tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, came at the price of destroying people's lives, pedophilia, and all types of immoral behavior, sex addiction, drug addiction, and everything else, just like everybody else that we talked about. That person that you saw on the screen, that you admired and perhaps even wanted to be like for a few moments or even longer, was literally murdering the souls and bodies of countless people while you were admiring him. Taking the, the, the innocent people, taking the people that didn't do him any harm, taking the people that were powerless and taking advantage of them and traumatizing him just for the sake of a momentary pleasure. Imagine a person gonna live 70, 80 years in this world and the reality is that this 70 years is going to be traumatized, it's going to be ruined, it's going to be a constant life of fear that the trauma will repeat itself only because that filthy excuse of a human being Kevin Spacey wanted a pleasure of 30 or 40 seconds. That's what. So he took your whole life of 70 years and put it all in the garbage because he wanted a pleasure of a few seconds. A few seconds. That's what he thought your life is worth. Your life is worth to be ruined for him. For him to have moments of pleasure. This is the person that people admired. He's no worse than Harvey Weinstein, another disgrace of a human being, another Chilul Hashem that took advantage of people in a sexual way, 
in a financial way, in every way that he possibly could, destroying people's lives. The list can go on forever when it comes to that. Then you look at, okay, maybe not everybody's a pedophile. Maybe not everybody's a sex addict. The truth is that practically all of them are in one way or another, just not necessarily always criminal. But you have people like Nicolas Cage that amassed the wealth of uh, at least $150 million, getting paid $40 million per movie. $40 million per movie that could literally feed a civilization in Africa. This person got paid just to be in a film that's gonna be on a, on a, on a screen for 90 minutes. $40 million. All of that money in the garbage, declared bankruptcy. A person by the name of 50 Cent, very popular rapper that was very violent, both in his words and in his life, very arrogant. That was his whole show. I myself used to listen to his music and found it entertaining. But the reality is, when you look at his life from a Torah perspective, from a moral perspective, you see how immoral this person is, how vicious he is, how disgusting he is, to the extent where this person not only ended up amassing a great fortune, but also not losing a great fortune, but also despite having it or not having it, he's still a deadbeat that he always was, not paying child support for the kids that he had to with the many countless women that he was with because of his immoral behavior because to him to be immoral that should be admired to be with many women that is something that is to be aspired to be that's what a lot of guys want to do they want to be with many women they want to be like a 50 cent or a celebrity that can get any girl that he wants but the truth is do you want your daughter to be one of those girls do you want your daughter to just be that tool that he uses? Do you want your daughter to be one of those girls? So how come you feel okay for being one of those guys? Because you know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes measure for measure. And if you're going to be one of those guys, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make one of those girls your daughter one day, Hashem Yishmael And you see this person that was a deadbeat like many of the others that we're going to talk about. Another person that called himself, showed his, his addiction to physicality so much that he literally nicknamed himself Money. Money Mayweather, the, the famed boxer who made a fortune, tens and tens of millions of dollars boxing and being a celebrity and being someone that was very a good athlete and so on. But in reality, Rabbi Tayyip Kareem, Akadosh Baruch Hu says, Meshalem el sonav el panav la'avido. He pays his haters cash to their face in order to destroy them. And that's exactly what happens with every one of these celebrities, every one of these people that are in power and misuse it. You see this money Mayweather all had to come out of retirement and go box a YouTuber. A guy that never boxed a day in his life. He had to go box him just so he could live his life because he literally lost his money to the point where he had to come out of retirement to pay his debt. After making literally tens and tens of millions of dollars per fight, per fight, all of the money apparently went down the drain just like uh, anything else that's uh, going to be the rest of his life. And what happened? Now he's fighting YouTubers. Complete embarrassment to, to the sport, but nonetheless, a very good money maker. Very good money maker, but really, this is what people admire. This is what people uh, look up to, to go make four, five hundred million dollars. 
just to uh, you know continue working for the rest of your life because you pretty much spent it faster than you made it. That's what you admire. To be a person that does not have a normal life, doesn't have a normal wife, doesn't have normal kids, doesn't have normal relationships, is constantly on a fear that someone is stealing from him, that someone is taking advantage of him, and literally living a purposeless life. Because now that the career is practically over, the best that he can do is fight YouTubers. The best that he can do is just continue to utilize his body until the body stops working. But the reality is that this is all coming to an end. It's come to an end, but he's trying to, you know, try to get the uh, the last drops of water out too. So this is what people admire. A person that made hundreds of millions of dollars but does not even have the money to pay $20 million in debt. Now, you have a person like Mark Twain, a scholar that people admired. His, his own publishing company declared bankruptcy. All of his uh, notoriety, all of his fame, it's only by a few people that call themselves scholars in this generation. He himself did not enjoy it during his life because he ended up declaring ba uh, bankruptcy. Uh, Dennis Rodman, another famed basketball player, got to such an extent after making so many millions of dollars, you would think this person would have enough money not only to live the rest of his life, but to build a country. Instead, he not only wasted all of his money on drugs and all types of disgusting behavior, but he got to a point of being such a, a despicable human being that he got caught stealing $500. A person that literally used to make $500 a second ended up getting caught stealing $500. These are the people that people admire. And you think it's just the most recent people? No, this has always been the case. You have uh, celebrities like Wayne Newton, uh, Meatloaf, Willie Nelson, all of these famed celebrities literally made hundreds of millions of dollars. Their homes are known, their names are known in practically every home of the people that lived during their high time. Everybody knows who they are. The reality is they wish they didn't. They themselves wish nobody knew who they were. They themselves wish that they could just go to the deli, buy their little sandwich and go back to their little shack, hole in the wall somewhere in society and no one would remind them of their glory days that they could never ever get back to. Because these are people that are has-beens and one of the most horrendous sufferings that a person can have is to be a has-been, to be a person that is everybody reminding him of his past the rest of his life even though he's not an inkling like it. He's nothing like it. Now a lot of people like to admire some of the very wealthy people on Wall Street. I was among some of these uh, people, I met some of these people meaning that uh, I saw some of these people in lectures, talked to them at times and so on. And people like to admire some of these people, some of the most famous you look at Warren Buffett, he's been a uh, practically the Wall Street grandfather for probably the last 50, 60 years. It seems like he's been 100 years old for 50 years already, making billions of dollars, extremely successful. And you would see, oh, this person seems like a nice guy. He seems moral. But if you actually look at his actual real life, there's nothing to admire. With all of the money that he has, with the hundreds of billions that he has, he still lives in the same house that he bought 50 years ago. Like he's not even enjoying the money like a normal human being. 
He still eats a hamburger and Coca-Cola for $2 from McDonald's every single day. He's not even having the food of the rich and famous. He's not even enjoying the physicality of the world. It's simply a sport of making money. And you would think, oh, maybe his, at least his kids are going to benefit from that money. No, he already declared that those very same kids, the relationship that he has with some of his employees is much more developed and much more secure than the relationship that he has with his children because they know him pretty much like everybody else knows him on TV. The illusion. And his kids know that they're not gonna get anything of, of substance after he dies because the majority of his money is going to continue all of these endeavors that fuel corporate America and so on. Meaning that even the kids that thought, oh, maybe, you know what, at least he's gonna give me a, uh, uh, the chunk of it. He worked for $100 billion. Give the kids a billion each, five billion each, 10 billion each to do different things. No, that's not gonna happen. Now, well, you would think, oh, this grandpa type of person, he probably has a good marriage. Absolutely not. His wife couldn't deal with him and left him. Simply couldn't deal with the person, couldn't deal with his personality and just ended up leaving him. This is actually what happens to almost all of these people if at one point or another. One of the other people is Bezos. Jeff Bezos built Amazon, one of my favorite companies, uh, you know, that uh, I use their product, fantastic products that they have, but as a human being, is, is practically a, a disaster. A disaster of a human being is a, a divorced after so many years from the woman that helped him in order to go chase young girls, in order to feel like he's young again and try to look like he's 20 years old again. This is a person that made practically every employee or every person that came into a meeting with them cry in the meeting on a regular basis. It is well known that the meetings that they would have with them, the conversations they would have with them would lead, lead people to anxiety attacks and literally being traumatized by simply talking to their boss. This is who you admire. You want to be one of those people that tortures people and causes them literally anxiety just by them being employed by you. This is what you want to be. Or perhaps you have people like not just Be Bezos, you have like Steve Jobs amassing notoriety and billions and billions of dollars only to live just long enough to uh, see some of his some of his products come out but die because all of the money that he made from those products was not enough to buy him a single liver to save his life a single liver to save his life simply he could not live another day and died the same atheist that he was his whole life with a lot of regrets as the verse says the shaim the wicked live a whole life full of regrets and he himself said he regretted that he lived as an atheist he should have looked into it further but he was too busy chasing the physicality this is what people admire this is what people want to be like and the reality is Rabotai, when a person knows that all of those people that they admire are literally a disaster of a human being you start thinking to yourself why do i admire these people and there's no exceptions it's any celebrity that you look at any athlete that you look at if it hasn't happened to them already it's gonna happen to them but generally speaking their whole life is full of immorality divorce adultery every single type of crime that they can commit and think that they were not going to get caught they do because that in essence is the thought of the, the, the people that want that type of power is a life of complete freedom. Freedom to the extent where they commit crimes against humanity without any recourse. But a Baruch Hu sees everything.
הקדוש ברוך הוא pays, make sure that everybody has to pay the bill. And all of those that desecrate Hashem's name in private, He will expose them in public at some point, as the Mishnah in Avot says. Now, on the other hand, you say, okay, fine. Maybe being a celebrity uh, is, is not good, but at the same token, you, you can't deny the fact that there is physical pleasure. There is physical pleasure from having certain things. There is physical pleasure from being certain ways, and so on and so forth. Now, For all of these young girls, all of these young girls that are out there, or even older women that are out there that want to be or act like they are already one of these celebrities, one of these uh, uh, people that is constantly looking for attention, li listen very closely. Listen very closely because I'm about to talk to you. But I'm going to talk to you by talking to the men right now. Now, the guys, the guys that are out there, what do they want? They want the money. Why do they want the money? Because they want the power. Why do they want the power? Because they, they think that if they have the money, they'll have the power, and therefore, the power will give them the girl. Which girl? Any girl. Simple. Any girl. What about getting married? Oh yeah, we'll get married too, but also maybe the secretary, maybe the this, maybe the that, all that stuff. Okay. How could Rabbi Akiva get to such a point that he's so disgusted by that behavior that he threw up yet you want to be one of those people that is as promiscuous as can be how could it be how could there be such a difference between two people because you think that to be with that girl will give you physical pleasure and you don't really think about anything else what else should you be thinking about well Let's see. If the girl that you found in some nightclub or some store or wherever you found some garbage pail and you got her to give herself to you and to be able to act like a husband and wife even though you're going to throw her out moments after you end your pleasure or perhaps you're going to pretend like you're going to be with her by dating her for a few months or perhaps you're going to You know, pretend like you're dating her while dating for several other women. Thinking you're the only smart one. The truth is though, if she gave you pleasure, that means that she's just like you. That means that just like you're looking for physical pleasure, so is she. And just like you don't want to be with her all the time, she doesn't want to be with you all the time. Guess what? It's much easier for her to find a partner than it is for you typically. And guess what? When she comes to you and you think, ah, I'm Mr. Macho, all you're really doing is cleaning up the filth that another man left moments before you. That's the reality. That is the reality. You are simply cleaning the filth of one, two, or however many dozen of people she has enjoyed herself with also because she's an animal just like you that's what you're doing one of the most disgusting things you can possibly imagine is for one manly man to ever even think that another man's seed another man's filth would ever touch him it's not only touching him 
It's on top of him and it becomes part of him. Why? Because that's where she was moments before she was with you. She's simply like the village bicycle. Everybody gets to use it. She's like used property and you are cliché. You're like the second tool. She had this, now she has you, and maybe moments later she'll come back to something else. What, you think you're the only smart one that it get, knows how to pleasure himself? No, she knows it too. And guess what? You're probably not as great as you think you are. You're just simply filling a void until the next opportunity comes, until the next appointment comes, until the next guy that's gonna whine and dine her and make her feel like she's pretty, until he comes. And that's the reality in life. All of the young men that like to go out to clubs and find a girl, take her home and feel like, hey, high five, high five, yeah, I got her, I got her. Yeah, she got you, buddy. She got you and him and him and him and you just won one of the appointments. She's simply a free prostitute. And you, my friend, are in a bed with three different people, not one. You're with three different people. Now you think I'm making this up because I used to be secular? No, it's in the Gemara. It's in the Gemara, Rabotai. This is not your own This is the Gemara. Rabotai Yekarim. The Gemara says some of the most horrific things you can possibly imagine that go on in society today as if it's standard. As if it is standard, Rabotai. The Gemara in Masechet Psachim, page 112a says a person that's a divorcee should not marry another divorcee while a husband is alive. If he's divorced, why shouldn't he marry a divorced woman while a husband is still alive? Because when they are in bed, there are four people. When the divorced man and the divorced woman are together, there's four people in bed. Why four people? He's thinking about his ex-wife. She's thinking about her ex-husband. So there's four people. He is cleaning the filth of her that her ex-husband left. She is uh, also doing the same thing with her. Same exact thing. There's four people in the bed, Rabbi And guess what? The part where I said you're not all that, that's also in Gemara. It continues. Also, you should know that she may end up resenting him. Why resenting him? She she date him, marry him, she's met him in a club, she calls him, I love you, I poopies, tooties, no, what, how come? Because not all fingers are the same, the Gemara says. Not all fingers are the same is a euphemism for the male member. She doesn't think that your finger is the same thing as the guy that was right before you. That's what it is. But you did clean up the mess though. This is what happens when you treat yourself like an animal, you find animals. You treat yourself like an animal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu matches you with animals. And just so you know, this is not the only place in the Gemara. The Gemara in Masechet Sanedri, page 22b, says that a virgin woman, a woman that's virgin, holy, it's Kedusha, but if she becomes one of these filthy human beings and starts becoming uh, promiscuous and so on, you should know what comes with it. What comes with it? You are what? Guy number 6, 8, 15, 12. Oh, she liked you. She told you you're only guy number 2. Maybe 2 this week. But that's what she told you at the club or at the pub or at the whatever you met her. Or at the Jewish gathering for Shiduch. That's what she told you. You're only guy number 2. Okay, Habibi. Just so you know. 
Forget about the fingers not being all the same. Forget about the fact that there was four people in bed. But there's also probably five. Why? The original guy. Gemara says in Masechet Sanhedrin, page 22b, a woman never forgets the first man that she was ever with. Never forgets him. Not never forgets him like, oh, I miss him. Oh, no. The first time, that time, the first person, always on her mind. Always during that time. Oh, I remember him. Maybe he's like him. Maybe he's like him. Habibi, you're not him. And she is thinking of him. Why? Because you want to act like an animal. She wants to act like an animal. Here you go. You got a zoo together. Now you have already a half a zoo, five animals in one bed. This, Rabotai, is not it. It's not it. A person needs to understand that when they act like an animal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them an animal type of life. An animal type of life that is literally a disaster that produces disasters. What kind of disasters? Many people like to frown at the Kabbalah teachings where it says that when you make a sin and you die, part of the tikkun of the sin is to be reincarnated perhaps with some type of defect or so on. If you didn't watch your eyes, perhaps you know, you'll come back to life blind uh, and so on. If you uh, said Lashonara, you'll come back autistic. And people try to make a whole big thing of it when uh, Rav Mizrahi said it years ago, as if it's a new teachings, as if it's only in the Kabbalah. It's not only in the Kabbalah, it's in the Gemara. It's in the Gemara, Rabotai. It's in the Gemara, Ribonoshel Olam. It's in the Gemara. What does the Gemara say? What does the Gemara say? Gemara, Masechet Nedarim, page 28. Says a few things. First and foremost, you should know. You like to talk to girls? Ve'alter be'sichai meisha. You like to talk to girls, you have a girlfriend and so on, for sure you're going to sin, for sure you're going to come to lewdness, for sure you're going to end up wasting seed, promiscuity, immorality. There's no such thing as platonic relationship in Judaism. Second, you don't think that's enough? Okay, fine. Anyone who looks at women, likes to look at girls on the internet, in real life and so on, for sure will have kids that... Uh, are not of good character. Your kids are going to call you by your first name. Your kids are going to yell at you. Your kids will disrespect you. Why? You don't watch your eyes. You have a spiritual defect. HaKadosh Baruch Hu pays for that with a defect in your kids. Now that's not enough, right? Gemara says that a person that wants to be a holy Jew has to become embarrassed of such things. Embarrassed of them. But he's not. So comes Rabbi Yochanan ben... Davai, Rabbi Yochanan ben Davai says, The ministering angels told me four things. There are lame people. Why are there lame people? People that born paraplegic because of the because people that overturn the table, the Gemara says, using euphemisms for all types of inappropriate behavior, immorality. Why are there mute people? Because they kiss that place. Why are there people that are both mute and deaf? Because they converse at the time of cohabitation. Why are there blind people? Because they gaze at that place. Meaning, Rabotai Karim, 
The Gemara says, we're not even talking about looking at pornography and wasting seed. Simply living a life addicted to physicality, addicted to that type of thing, produces all of the defects that you see in the world, all of the defects that you see in the world that are very difficult to deal with. Now, of course, sometimes those people that come to the world are special neshamot of tzadikim, not reshaim. Doesn't make their parents' life any easier. But not all of them are tzadikim. Not all of them are holy. Some of them are pure. Some of them, not necessarily. But needless to say, why do the parents get them? The parents get them because they were not holy. The parents get them because they were trying to be like the people they see in a pornography film. Trying to be like the people they see in some Hollywood film. They try to play acrobatic. They try to do all these different things with different people in different ways and different filthy animalistic behavior. Kadosh Baruch says, you want to be an animal? Okay, well, I don't want you to be an animal, so I have to keep you busy in a different way. I want to keep you busy in a different way. So Abutaya Karim, you have to think about it this way. Are you going to admire a filthy, disgusting disgrace of a human being like Madonna that has literally uh, been with enough people to, to build an army? That's what you want to be like? That's who you admire? You want your daughter to, to be like her? All of the people that follow her, all of the modern day singers, you want her to dance like them and be promiscuous like them and have five or 10 or 20 or 50 husbands? That's what you want? You want to clean the filth of another guy for the rest of your life because you're a filthy human being? You want, you're admiring a woman that's, that's being raped by people on a screen? That's what you admire? You want to be there? You want to be the rapist? You filthy disgrace of a human being for that moment? That's what you admire? That's what you want to be like? You're watching pornography? Do you know that most of the pornography out there, it's not the uh, intimacy as a result of her wanting it. Sometimes you'll actually see things on the internet that are actual rape, but they portray it as if it's out of her wanting it. That's what you want to be like? You want to be a rapist? You want to be a pedophile? That's, that's who you admire? You have to think about this. Because if that's what you admire, you can rest assured you're gonna have a kid like this. You're gonna have a boy that wants to be a girl. You're gonna have a girl that wants to be a guy. You're gonna have a girl that has 50 husbands. You're gonna have a boy that is addicted to pornography like some of the young men that have had the pleasure of helping, but it's a very big job. Very big job, it's a lot of work, but some of the men that I met, literally, when I met them, they were so addicted. They were so addicted to wasting seed and immorality that some of the physical ramifications of that addiction started happening in their life. Losing hair, becoming smelly, becoming disgusting and sweaty, literally looking like they have a disease. I've met these young men and Baruch Hashem, most of them I've succeeded in helping to get them out of that Tumah. You want to be one of those people? You are one of those people. You're admiring a woman. You're admiring a guy that's raping a woman. You're admiring a man that's, that's, that's full of filth. He's full of Tum'ah. That's what you want to be like? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? You should be. And that Rabutai is what a person needs to know. That's what he needs to know about all of that disgusting world that he's admiring. If you're talking about money and power, it comes with a lot of baggage because all of the people that are giving you the desire to have this money and power 
I just read you off a small microcosm of the list. A small microcosm of that list. But you'll find it in all of these celebrities. Endless amount of them are pedophiles. Hollywood has a pedophile ring, a well-known pedophile ring, which we even know somebody that unfortunately went into that young boy and never came out. Never came out, was taken by these people, never came out. No one knows if he's dead, if he's alive, who knows? I even have a former classmate that, uh, that was part of that filthy, disgusting world of politicians and uh, was one of the boyfriends of the, uh, uh, of the politicians. Mysteriously drowned. Expert diver mysteriously drowns. It's like saying a fish drowned. Rabotai Karim, who are you admiring? Shlomo HaMelech says, Ish Ish A person is who he admires. You're admiring these filthy prostitutes. You're admiring these filthy, disgusting pedophiles. You're admiring these vicious, arrogant people that destroy lives. Or perhaps you're admiring that woman that has the filth of countless men inside her. Or perhaps you want to be the man that's one of those filthy people. Which one is it? The only way, Rabbi the only way to avoid all of the disgusting, vile things that I've said over the last hour is by being what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said in Parashat Kedoshim. Kedoshim tiyu ki Kadosh ani. You be holy because I am holy. How are we holy? The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat says, Am Yisrael Kedoshimem. Am Yisrael is holy. Why? Because even when it comes to their, to their intimacy with their own wives, it's at night, it's in modesty, so the walls don't even see them. So no one even thinks about such a thing, of, of, of recording such things, of, of, of acting in such filthy, animalistic ways, because that's the ways of the animals. We are holy, we are tzaddikim, we are Kadosh Baruch Hu's people, and everybody can be like this. Everybody can be holy by stopping first being animalistic. That's the first step. It's the first step. How do you stop being animalistic? Know who the animal is and do everything the opposite. This Abu Karim is a little bit food for thought, very different than a lot of the shulim that we've done, simply to show you what people literally lose their world in this world and the next world over. She is looking like a prostitute celebrity because she wants to be like one, even though she will never be like one. But she's losing this world. She's losing our marriage. She's losing the respect of her children. She's losing blessing from Hashem. And she's losing Olam Abba. All because she wants to be like some prostitute that is here today, gone tomorrow. He, the same thing, thinks that He's going to enjoy this world, have a good time. Go on vacation without his wife. Maybe find a girlfriend for a day or two. He loses this world and he loses the next world. Why? Because he acted like an animal. But if a person wants to be holy, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says holiness begins with the way we express our sensuality, with the way we express our intimacy in a holy way, with the way we protect our eyes, with the way we protect our speech, with the way we protect our mind, with what we admire, with what we look up to. That is how it all begins. If you admire filthy, disgusting people, that's how you will become. 
and that's who your kids will become. If you admire the tzaddikim, that's who you can become. There's no way you can become a tzaddik without admiring tzaddikim. And there's no way you can become a tzaddik as long as you admire the filthy people of society. This Rabotai is a very critical teaching that a person needs to literally visualize the filth that he's admiring, hence the reason why I had to get rabbinical permission to say some of the things that I said today. And Baruch Hashem, I got it. It's important for a person to know that all of what I said is in the Torah and it's one of the most important things that a person needs to understand in order to stop admiring the filth. Stop admiring the filth of society. Because as long as you admire money, admire everything that comes with it, then you can say, no, I just admire that he has a lot of money. No, 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 Habibi. You admire what he has as a result of money. And you're not realizing that behind the scenes, there is so much baggage. There's so much baggage that it literally creates tumah. It's a factory of impurity. You have to admire the righteous people if you want to be righteous. You have to admire them and you have to be like them. Whether Hashem decides to make you wealthy, married, full house full of kids or not, all the results are in the hands of Hashem. But our actions lead Him to decide what the results are. This Rabotai Karim is a very critical, fundamental teachings that is necessary for each one of us to repeat. Once in a while, when our mind is infected by some of this impurity of the world, because it seems like this world is just getting more and more impure by the day. And if we don't start being clear with what we need to do in order to protect ourselves, everything else is in vain. for the uh, uh, all the people that ask me all the time if uh, you know they uh, you know, they have money coming in and they, they want to help with Kiru but they also want to help the poor people that we usually do uh, during the holidays but also during the year they always ask me is there something going on and the truth is there's always something going on and I always tell you during the lectures of different stories that uh, we deal with whether it's to uh, help somebody come up with money for uh, for a surgery or to help a poor family have food for Shabbat or to help pay for tuition for someone that simply doesn't have it uh, and the stories go on and on and on and on and, and here in a moment you're going to see something that just happened in the last couple of days a family that's so poor in Eretz Yisrael that did not have money to have to buy simply normal mattresses they were sleeping on something the equivalent of metal uh, the only thing this reminds me of is the concentration camps of Shemishmo and uh, these stories come across our desk on a regular basis and after verification when we send our team members to go and see and make sure that everything is legitimate we try to do our best to help and there's just not enough time in a day to make a campaign for every single cause so we do what we do is we simply give and we trust that Hashem will give us to help people because there's just not enough time and uh, you know sometimes time is very sensitive so it takes time to, to verify things but also it's a uh, it's just one of those things where you really can't wait for people to decide whether they want to help this poor person or not you know if there's a need we're there and Bezot Hashem will continue to be there so for any of you that is contemplating what to do 
with that maaseh, with that ten uh, percent that you give, to, that you need to give as a Jew and also as a non-Jew, uh, for the sake of Torah, whether to give it just to kiruv or to give it uh, and to help people do tshuva or to give it to help poor people and how to mix it. Bottom line is, our organization does it all. And we do it on a regular basis, and there's simply not enough because there's so many people that need help, it breaks your heart. And you'll see that in this video, our team member, and it breaks your heart, our team member starts crying. Uh, that's, that's how hard some of these situations are. And we try to publicize a lot of different videos without embarrassing anyone and showing faces to show people that their money is going to good places to help people not only do tshuva, not only publicize the Torah, publicize Hashem's name and His glory, but also to help people survive in this difficult world. So if you want to help us, you want to join us, you want to be a partner with us, Be'ezat Hashem is very, very happy to be a partner with you. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more and more good news so we can tell you that you are part of another big miracle that happened to someone in Kalisei. אנשים יקרים, אני באתי פה לבית של משפחה נזקקת. האימא אושפזה בבית חולים עם כאבים מאוד חזקים בגב. הבאתי לה עכשיו סל מזון לשבת. חשכו עיניי, אני בא לי לבכות, תראו על איזה מזרון היא יושנת. כל הברזלים בחוץ, תראו, על זה היא יושנת, מזה היא קיבלה דלקת שלא עוברת לה. תראו. זה המזרונים שהם יושנים אליהם, אני חייבת את העזרה שלכם, אני, אני פשוט ישבתי על המיטה, כל הברזלים תקועים לה בגז, תראו מה זה, אני פשוט נוגעת בברזל. על מה אמא יושנת? יושנת על ברזלים? בגלל זה כואב לה הגב? כן? עכשיו אנחנו מביאים לה מזרונים חדשים, מנסים לה על המיטה. תודה רבה על ארגון בעזרת השם ולרב ירון שדאג לפני שבת למשפחה נזקקת למזרונים חדשים. הם ישנו המשפחה על מזרונים קרועים עם ברזלים בחוץ. ארגון בעזרת השם אין עליכם בעולם.